0: That's heritageradionetwork.org/15 to donate and enter to win today, and make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Welcome to Heritage Radio Network on tour at Charleston Wine and Food 2022. I'm Sam Ben Ruby from the Grape Nation, and today we are broadcasting live from the heart of the Culinary Village. This episode is made possible thanks to the support of Hickory Nut Group, builders of community agriculture since 1916. All right, I want to welcome our guest today. Our guest today is Tahira Habibi. Tahira is a sommelier, she's an entrepreneur. I would say she's an activist. She is founder of the Hugh Society, co-founder of the Roots Fund, and founder of the Council of Resources Group, and she also makes some pretty amazing jewelry, which hopefully we can get to, right? <laughs> All right, so let's get started. Let's give people a little context about who you are. Yep. So you grew up in Philly. Yep. You attended Penn State, yep. came back to Philly to work and study. You actually studied wine, yep. right? And then you left to work in Miami. So I'm curious about a few things. You come back to Philly. What's the motivation to study wine? How does that interest come up? And then bring me to why you leave and go to Miami.
2: So um, when I when I decided to study wine, it was it was a whim. It was. Um, it was a whim. When I was in when I was in college, I was in a lot of leadership positions, and I used to always have to be in root in the room with like executives, like the president, the vice provost, that kind of thing. And so this was this was years ago when um, you know the wine wine wasn't as popping as it is now. Right. And uh, I just I've always had this self awareness where I never wanted to embarrass myself, and I've always been aware that anything that I do was representation of my entire community. Agree. And so it wasn't a common thing for me to be in these positions or somebody, you know, black person to be in these positions, and I just didn't want it. Black woman. Right. And so I was like, okay, I see how this wine thing is going. This wine doesn't taste that great. But I noticed how people respect you when you can handle yourself with it. And so that, that was my first interest.
1: So and when then, you say handle, it's having the knowledge Makes uh-huh. you handle the yeah, topic even, in the room at least better, right? It,
2: right? At least faking it. Right. right? Like, well, you not premising, <laughs> not being like, oh my God, this is nasty or this isn't sweet or blah, right. blah, blah. And so, um, after that, you know, I graduated, I moved back to Philly, I started working, and I was homeless for a little while. And then I started working in this restaurant on the Palomar in Philly had just opened, and they were offering free classes, free wine classes. And I would sneak into, like, the bartender tastings and whatever, whatever. And they offered the classes to anybody. And so I said, I don't have no money. so But I I can take these classes, though. And so they paid for my wine classes at the Wine School of Philadelphia. I got to an advanced level. I realized I was really good. I had taken a trip to Europe. I spent a month in Europe by myself. Um, And that's when I decided... Wait, was the
1: motivation of the Europe trip wrapped around an interest in wine or you were just
2: no no it was it was was wine it was visiting a friend it was you know and so but but it's different over there right like wine in europe is very different than wine in the u.s and that is what motivated me so when you say that
1: what's like the most noticeable thing it's food they embrace it differently
2: people start their kids drinking wine with meals at 12. You know, very early age, and they don't become alcoholics. It's not this this fear. It's, it's not cultural, thing. It's not literal, like getting a buzz. Right, it's literal food, and that's when I learned that wine was food. They don't teach you that, you know, so much here. It's a good point. Um, and I uh, I came back, and I was more motivated than ever. And after I finished my last advanced class, I said, you know what, I'm going to move because Philadelphia. I did everything I could here. Philly is not a wine place. No. So I'm either going to go to Miami or I'm going to go to California. I flipped the coin.
1: Now, that was, on Miami. that was your preference. You want to be in Miami. You want to be in California. And you yeah. scouted them as decent wine places yeah. to get, drop in, settle. Yeah. And, and
2: I wanted to be somewhere warm. Okay.
1: So let's say that. Too, <laughs> so you go to Miami, to go. hit the ground running, right?
2: I did. I didn't even have an apartment when I moved there. <laughs> I literally picked up and moved two weeks later. No apartment, no nothing. Um, I had to work as a cocktail server at um, the Kempton for a few months while I was studying to take my CMS tests, the quartermasters. And um, after that, I got hired at the St. Regis. I opened the St. Regis, and then it's just. Bell Harbour. Yep.
1: That was a hot spot, right? That was that was a pretty
2: incredible start. How long were you there?
1: Two, two and a half years, three
2: years, something like that. Then
1: you left there. Left stayed there. in Miami. I went right. to
2: Michael's Genuine. I was a manager and saw him there. I left there. I became the wine director at another place, and it just kept escalating, but I didn't see anybody look like me, so I was really lonely, like really lonely.
1: So don't spend a lot of time, but at some point you're like, I'm done in Miami. You're done because you did what you wanted to. Where would you go?
2: Atlanta, where I am now.
1: Okay. So you've been in Atlanta how long?
2: I didn't want to have a baby there. I felt like I wanted to be more around my culture. Um, I wanted to expand what I was doing. So, I had an organization called Sipping Socials, which I started in you Miami. You started, right. Right. And what was, I was doing this event. When you started
1: Sipping Social, what was the idea, the concept?
2: It was, it was to create wine events and education through the black lens to get more of us into the space, right? Because one thing I know is that we when we see ourselves, we can be engaged. We don't see ourselves, we don't feel like it's for us, we move along, right? So... I started sipping socials, I did a wine and reggae festival, 3,000 people showed up, Wow. more than I had capacity for. Right. I got drugged through the right. ringer, <laughs> it's terrible. You're lucky you're alive, amazing. right? right. No, yeah. they, they tore me to stress, yeah. and, um, and then I I ended up, um, I wanted to expand it. I saw that it worked, though, right? I was you like, just
1: had to get everything right.
2: And I was like, I'm going to expand this. I can do this across the country. And so I changed it from Sipping Socials to the Hugh Society with the intent of creating like this umbrella organization. Or Wait, this you pronounce it
1: we? Huh? What What do you call it?
2: The Hugh Society. Oh, Hugh. I thought you said oh, we. No, the okay. Hughes. So- <laughs> all
1: right. So before yeah. we get into that, I want to get a little, I want to delve into some, you know, kind of interesting tough issues. All right. Okay. And I think you set me up for this. Um, I did.
2: CMS. So
1: when I sit with you and I know you, it hasn't been that long that you've been in wine. You know, it's not like you're this older woman with 30 years. I mean, you've done a lot yeah, You know, in a years. short period of time. Not too much. Yeah. And I think you and I would agree that the, and we're talking about our industry, the yeah, wine yeah, industry. Yeah. I mean, I do a yeah. podcast, you're in the industry. It's very white. Yep. and there's definitely an air of elitism colonialism yeah. you know and all of that there had to be a point and you may have mentioned it but when when did you realize this is effed up
2: so when I came in it's a little different than that when I came in everything was CMS that is which what is they, we're gonna
1: get to that right too.
2: but everybody everything you weren't considered a SOM unless you were so CMS certified. CMS
1: was a huge part it of was the a being huge a wine part person. Of,
2: right. It was okay. the only part, right? And CMS was, is the Court dominated. of Master
1: Sommeliers, right. and they're the people that certify becoming a Master right. Sommelier or Master They wine
2: dominated person. it. Like, if you didn't have those certifications, then you didn't really exist. Nobody would hire you, all these kinds of things. And so that is that was what they drilled into us.
0: But
1: when you I, moved in that direction.
2: Of course, because... I'm a black woman in this space. I don't see any other people that look like me. I, I don't feel like I belong here. I am like feel like I'm like fighting through every day to get myself in this space. And so, on some level, I had to follow the rules. And I did. I tried to take the trajectory that I thought would make me the most successful so that so I could the tra- do my own thing. So
1: tra- the trajectory is that CMS path.
2: Yeah, hundred percent This is the
1: path to get 100%. to where people get to. Right. Back Whether it was then, that right was it. or wrong for you or in reality. It didn't matter. That was the path. It didn't right. matter.
2: And so I did I did what I thought would, you know, would make it easier for me. It was already difficult. Right? And so you get into a space where you're just trying to make your life as easy as possible and you're in this unknown like abyss. And I I did what I could. I studied my ass off. When I moved to Miami, well, that's a hard
1: you have but to study your ass off.
2: I, I used to go to work as a cocktail server. I used to tuck my my cards into my, my bra. I was studying every second that I could. <laughs> I was so... I was terrified. Like
1: Loire Valley. No. I, like, if
2: I didn't have a client, a customer, I was like, okay, I'm studying, I'm studying, I'm studying. I went home, I studied. Like, I still have pictures of, like, books laid across my floor. I would study all night. I would take a nap. I would get up. And, and the thing is... I was already ready for CMS just through taking those advanced classes through the Wine School of Philadelphia but I but in your head you don't know that right like you're thinking this is this whole other thing and then I was so more much more advanced when I took that test like wow, I was like I advanced level like because I read the wine bible twice
1: was That's that? How, is that a good source for getting I, up to I speed? I thought it
2: was, and it's this thick. It's like yeah. as thick as a, It's incredibly thick. Twice I read it. I was very determined, and at the time, I also wanted to be the first Black woman uh master sommelier.
1: So, let's talk about that and the course court of master sommeliers. Right. When we look today at the court, and we're going to go backwards. It's not an organization that's done the best things the right way. Right. But you you were, were responsible for bringing certain things to light. I was. Um, there are some very specific experiences, and I'm not sure you want to talk about them or not, but... You got in there, you did it, and then you realized, wait a second, and then yeah. you got out of there, right? Yeah. And you did a video. Do you want to talk about, you know, walk no, me through it? No, yeah. I mean, we
2: can talk about it. I, you know, so in 2011, when I went to take my my CMS test, first level, it was in New York. So CMS made it very clear that you had to pay for everything. There is nothing sponsored. So I had to buy my plane ticket to New York. I had to get my hotel. I had to pay for the test, like all these things. Expensive. So I get into it. Plus all the study
1: materials, 100%. wine is on your own, Everything. right? Right.
2: So I get I get there and I am as nervous as I can be.
1: Are you nervous because you're nervous or are you nervous because you're like a black woman that is? All of it. Younger? I'm
2: nervous because again, I hadn't seen anybody, but also I didn't know what I was walking into. Right. right. And Literally. so when I got in there, I'm like, okay, it's a two-day course. So I think that's important to note that it is a two-day course. So day one, you know, we're going through these things and um, they're 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 going through the tests and you know, reviewing things, blah blah. And again, I was very engaged in this space. And so You bought in. I had questions. I wanted to make sure I was gonna pass this test. I wanted to be at the top of my class. I was super ambitious. I'm still ambitious, but you know, and this I was just like, yes, did it. And then um, there were four instructors, two women and two men, and basically, long story short, they they made it very clear that you were not allowed to talk unless you called the master. And so when I heard them say it the first time, I was like, it's no way. I was like, it's no way to go. And no say this awareness,
1: to me. no sensitivity Zero. of the room, the people, the Zero. situation. This Zero. is the way they it is. They were
2: so full of themselves. It was just about them. And well, they are, to be and that's here, their and, downfall. Right. And that's But the thing. so.
1: so That rings a bad note with you.
2: Right. Because they said it, and I was like, it's no way to go. I really felt like I was an exception. I was like, I know they know I'm here. I know they see me. I know you're not finna sit here you and think, tell me. You think? <laughs> And so I raised my hand because I really had a question. And, you know, she kind of just rejected me. It was like, you need to call me master. And I was like.
1: So wait, you took exception and said, listen, I don't think it's appropriate. And they said, no, you have to. No,
2: I didn't even say that. I just raised my hand to ask a question.
1: And and they were like,
2: you can't ask your question until you call me master. So And I was like.
1: What's the immediate reaction?
2: I literally everything inside me fell apart.
1: Do you I hang shrank. in there or do you walk out? Oh, I
2: stayed. I passed my test with flying colors. I cried the entire night because it's a two-day test. right when I said it. So that? you were
1: back the next day?
2: Yeah. I had to take my test the next day. So through all of that, I had to come back, take my test, and like, but like, I was devastated.
1: So a couple of things. You walk out of there obviously feeling like this is pretty. This is done. I, was, I is, knew I was done. Is, in that moment, right. I was this done. This is not the organization no. for me. You did this incredibly eloquent, well-viewed video on your reaction. Yeah. How soon after that experience was That was
2: like it? nine years, right? Yeah, it was 20, 2020. Was
1: the video nine years later? Yeah,
2: I never said a word. I was At first, I was embarrassed. I was like, so anybody finds out about this? So
1: two things. Why did you decide to do the video at that time? And just tell everybody a little about, you know, what you were talking about.
2: So I did the video... 2020, because CMS decided to tag me in something and say that they were in partnership with me. Which, if all the people in the world, so you let's could stop attack. for a second.
1: <laughs> CMS went through some really bad stuff, yeah, sexual harassment, that was sexism, after. racism, George, but but they've had problems yeah. and all that. But when you did the video, you decided to finally,
2: yeah, because I was fed up, I was like, you're not. They were placating. They didn't actually do the work of anti-racism or actually trying to organize. They never even reached out to me. They just used my name in a statement to the community saying that they were going to do something. And it pissed me off.
1: You stumble on it on the social media thing? No, it wasn't
2: even that. You go batshit when you see it? My friends started tagging me and sending me texts like, congratulations. You have this partnership with CMS. And I was like, what are you talking about? I don't even deal with CMS. And I was like... Are you guys serious right now? Like, you crossed a line. Like, I had been silent. Silent. I never really told Nine anybody. Nine years. Years. I never said a word. And then it, it was like the universe was like, it's time. Because of all the organizations in the world that you could have, they take. And I was like, this is this is unacceptable.
1: So, meantime, in the end, you're a stronger person. I don't mean stronger from this, but your conviction was always there they yeah. weren't right. They got caught for not yeah. being right. And, you know, by trying to associate you, you know, it was not the right thing. So let's talk about the things you're doing. But I need to kind of look back, yeah. you know, to this incident. You started the Hughes Society. Yeah. When and why?
2: I started the Hughes Society in 2017 when I was moving out of Miami. Um. I just felt Did like being in Miami helped you
1: formulate that I want to 100%. start this organization. Being in Miami
2: helped me realize that wine was not going to reach Black people or Black culture in its current state, and I needed to change the state in order to bring the benefits of having a working wine knowledge to my community. So I started doing everything through our lens—everything, events, so I, you know, fashion, music, everything—and the wine was just there. And it just became a natural accompaniment, but it wasn't.
1: So the you focus. used everything—culture, events, fashion, and wine—to tie everything together and yep. expose it to everybody. Yeah,
2: and it, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Now, showed. when you
1: started, Hugh, was it regional? Was it like in your backyard, or were yeah, you able to travel was in my house. and do stuff? Yeah,
2: in- I, you know, I was doing stuff um, a little while after I started. I did Essence Festival, which is the largest Black music festival in the country. I started doing wine events there, which told me something because there were no wine events there. So I was the one who brought wine events to the thing. But that's what I mean by it just lacked in black culture. And I was like, this is such an amazing concept, like experience, like wine in, in general, right? And it's also incredibly empowering. Like wine is a tool when you know how to use it. And so I was very much driven to make sure that we had access and resources to this tool as much as possible
1: so you look at 2017 2022 five years later throw in some covet interruptions are you where you want to be because of COVID? are you able to ramp up where you want to go oh, yeah. i mean aren't you doing what's the event you're doing
2: i'm on top of the world i i love it i love it here like i do it's a uh, I feel like I've created a space where people can come and feel safe and seen and heard and loved authentically as they are. And I think that's the most important thing in the world. There's nothing more important than being able to be yourself and feel loved for being yourself.
1: So I'm listening to this podcast, and I'm like, I got to get in touch with these guys, or I got to be part of this. We'll mention it later, but if people want to know more about the Hughes Society... Where do they go?
2: So, you know, thehughsociety.com. We have a, a, a amazing social media presence um, at the Hughes Society. Mine my, my, is a Sipping Socialite. Right. I don't know if you want to go on there. It's, that, no, no, we'll get to
1: that. That's a personal thing. <laughs> yeah. But I think people want to know the person behind, you know, the organizations. Yeah. Now, so Hughes Society is as strong as ever, you know. You're, yeah. You're, you're doing we're,
2: it. we're going international this year. Okay. We're opening a chapter in... Um, South Africa, we'll be opening a chapter in London. Hopefully, you know, at the end of this year, more towards next year, we'll be doing Ghana. Wow. And we'll we're just that network, just being able to see yourself across the globe is powerful. It's incredible.
1: Well, I think when you got into this, you were hoping that you know it it would expand everywhere. Now, is it fair to say the roots fund was a natural s- progression or next step from Hugh Society?
2: Yeah, definitely. Talk for, to me about um, that
1: and what they do. So
2: when the whole CMS thing was going down, I don't okay. know if a lot of people noticed how Roots Fun got started. When the whole CMS thing was going down, Carlton McCoy—he's a master somes a Black. Tell that story
1: because he's now an ally, but that's not right. the way it started. And so and Carlton's he had, one of the good guys. He made right? a
2: post, and the post was triggering to a lot of people. So I reached out to him. I said, I, we need to have a conversation.
1: What was the post or what was the gist of the post?
2: It was basically him saying that it's easy because people started quitting CMS, right? The master Psalm started turning. In they started case. saying,
1: I'm turning my badge in because I don't want to be part of it. It's easy
2: for you guys to do this because basically you don't have to hold the door open for anybody else. So all you have to think about is yourself. You don't have to. He said, you know, me and Carlton come from a lot of the same places, inner cities. I'm from North Philadelphia. He's from D.C. You know... There's a whole thing. And so he knew, I understood what he was saying, but I wanted him to know how many people he hurt in saying that without acknowledging the other side of what it feels like to be a victim of CMS's racism and sexism and all the rest of that stuff. So,
1: how do you go about it? You reach out to him directly oh, and yeah, say.
2: Yeah, 100%. And so we got and on the Zoom. Is we he tone deaf where he starts no, hearing no, what you're he saying? Listened and the next day he made a post and corrected himself. He did. And, but from that conversation, we realized we both had the same things. We're both really powerful people in this industry. What can we do to combine these powers and make sure everybody gets to receive the benefits that we are receiving, right, from working? Because tokenism is a very strong thing. And neither so of us. Define in that.
1: tokenism in this context for us. In
2: this context, tokenism is, oh, I have a black person that is working at my restaurant. I have a black person that's doing this and the other. But the thing about all of this racial diversity and whatever is, yes, you may have black people working there, but you don't want all of them. You want to cherry pick your way through their blackness. You want a representation of a black person. That's you don't tokenism. actually want. Right the black person that you're saying that you know, you're know you checking this box off for. You want certain parts of them to be able to represent your establishment. And so we were like, we're going to create this organization and we're going to let everybody decide what they want to do in the wine industry. Which we never had those opportunities. Right When we came in, we felt like we either had to be a psalm or a winemaker. That was it. We said, there's, there's so, much, so many other that. things to do. We're going to fund all of it. We are going to flood the wine industry with Black and Brown and Indigenous people, and that's hundred percent. We did. We have been so successful with the. So Roots that's Fund. what the
1: Roots Fund is. hundred percent. And Carlton and who is and Akemi. It? Akemi. Akemi Akemi. are Akemi's now you director. and the two of them are instrumental, you know, part of that. And Carlton initially sort of didn't sound right when he threw it Not, out, yeah. and then you and won it him was, over. It was a tense conversation. It's the, it's the three of you, you yeah. know, moving this and marble family. and all of that. So let's talk about Roots if you want to get in contact with them
2: yeah we're what? at the roots fund on social media and also www.therootsfund.org we're actually having our first um gala to raise money you know we send people where to when? burgundy
1: where, where it's when?
2: in it's at chelsea piers in new york um april 27th
1: so will, will you remind i'll stay in touch but I will, i'll run promos on the show but before. the
2: so the roots fund is different because we break barriers on a high level right We were the first people to send people to Burgundy. Burgundy. Black people to Burgundy to study and to get degrees. So we have someone there. She's getting a degree right now. This year we're doing champagne. Like, we go through these different things, and it's not a joke. Like, we're very serious about dismantling these barriers. So the Roots Fund is doing incredible work.
1: That's great. I'm really glad to hear that. And then the Council of Resources group. It's like your energy is unbelievable. It's like there's a need for this, let's do that. There's a need I, yeah, for this, that's let's me. do that.
2: That's me in a nutshell. So, the Council of Resources is at, quote unquote the board for the Hughes Society, right? And so, you have Femi, who was just here on right. your show, the most elite quote unquote people in the wine industry. We have everything from retail shops, the best retail shops in the country, to Master Psalms on this board. And the idea is redistribution of power which the wine industry is not used to. The wine industry loves to stronghold and hoard power. What we do, we have a lot of power within our ourselves within individually and collectively. We redistribute it all over any resource you need, anytime we can put you in place. Anytime we can mentor, any kind of thing that you need as a community, we redistribute power. That's a hundred percent with the council so of resources. So through mentorship,
1: is for. through having all these people available, right? Through
2: tastings, through education, everything, every, everything, because everybody has a different skill.
1: Right. So if people want information on council for resources group. Is there a separate way to get into that? No, you know, it's to, all through
2: Hugh Society. It's also Hugh Society. Hugh
1: Society is really yeah. the platform. Hugh for Society
2: e- was founded to be an umbrella organization for all of these other organizations, right? And so we just needed a place where we could all meet to feel like home. And so there are tons of organizations that are under it.
1: So we'll post that too. We want people to know about that. You know, I've been doing shows the last two years during the pandemic. And I've talked to everybody restaurant owners, wine people, distributors, and all of that. And I get this sense from talking to everyone that because of the pandemic and during the pandemic, it brought a lot of attention. To this lack of diversity, mm-hmm. lack of inclusion, lack of equity in the industry. Yeah. Do you agree with me that, like, the pandemic just kind of blew everything up? Like, this is effed up?
2: I think it's I too bad. And full.
1: when you talk about equity, diversity, you know, now we're talking about people of color, you know, all right. that.
2: Disabilities. It, the everything. Whole night. But the thing is, I feel like it, it blew things up. But it made it popular. It popularized it in a good way. In a good way. Or what? No, help me with that. Where are those people Uh, now?
1: But that. So I need your take on that. So, where are they now? Where Where are
2: they now? now? It was very easy to jump the bandwagon because it was popular to support, you know, disenfranchised businesses and underrepresented communities. So jump on the
1: bandwagon. You but know where where is Instagram that now post. because
2: i feel like i'm back at the same place that i was in 2020 that's
1: my point Yeah, so.
2: and everybody does but what it did was it also revealed who was actually trying to move forward and who was trying to make a name for themselves with clout
1: so we're not entirely happy
2: no 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 we're so it's not absolutely bullshit. not it was a hundred percent bullshit
1: is there any positive remark? No, I
2: think that it, it shed a light for a lot of people, right? So I I, I don't take whiteness and blackness as a, as a... the dichotomy of it. There's a lot of gray in there, right? You don't know what you don't know. And so you can't look at a white person and say, you did this, 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 and the other, when literally you're living your life and you don't have to know that, right? You don't know what's happening if you don't see it. And the media is very good at that. Television is very good at that. And so the the obligation, it becomes your responsibility when you do. And I feel like a lot of people were enlightened in 2020 and they're right back to themselves in 2022. But can
1: I throw something on top of place? that? Yeah. So you have an industry that was kind of on shaky ground and then the pandemic exposes yeah. it and all of that. Then you have the summer of George Floyd mm-hmm where things become even more specific, you know, more racism, which goes back to the industry, the CMS, you know, they mishandled that. They sort of stood by idly. I mean, obviously where we're at, that kind of came and went too, right? The anti-racist and the awareness.
2: Because it was a badge of honor. I am anti-racist, Black Lives Matter, all in your profiles. But as soon as a black person pisses you off, it's out, right? That's not anti-racism that is, again, tokenism. You like this person. You don't actually like black people or disabled people or you know, Jewish people, right? As soon as somebody makes you mad from that group, you're right back to your center. And that's that's trash.
1: So that's a little, you know, disturbing and unnerving because I would hope that things, but they're, they're not. I mean is it that there was a moment and there was a discussion and now we're sort of back to the...
2: There's a huge difference between a moment and a movement. did things
1: move a little or you're...
2: There's a moment and there are movements. That's it. But you have to... What we learn is how to advocate for ourselves and how to play the game, right? And so you hold people accountable. So either they're going to be accountable or they're not. But the fear... Of being publicly displayed as not being accountable is stronger than your actual fear of wanting to help or wanting to be altruistic. That's they're different.
1: Yeah, I. That's a tough thing for me to you know so, digest. Like, I agree. this
2: weekend, right? How many encounters did I have this weekend?
1: Uh, I think as you and I sit here, we may be up to like six.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right, like it's it's a.
1: Some are silly, but some are real. I do this
2: rose thing yesterday. I think this is a great example. I do this rose masterclass with a friend of mine. Her name is Jane. She's a white woman, beautiful white woman. Jane was
1: on yesterday. Jane Lopes.
2: Jane's incredible, right?
1: And she's good people. And
2: we do this thing, and we so wait. Let me set this up.
1: You were doing a Charleston wine and food event, With Jane, the two of you were brought in to do a rose tasting masterclass, masterclass.
2: We do the class. After the class, I have a line of people just literally, oh, my God, you speak so well. Oh, my God. You knew this. You knew that. You knew that. And at the end, I was exhausted because I have to smile and grin through that shit. Jane, I turned to Jane. I said, how many people came up to you and told you how how well you spoke? She was like, nobody. What are you talking about? Like, literally, she was oblivious. Like, what are you talking about?
1: So after everything we just talked about, (laughs) it's a sad state of affairs that that's how people, you know, for people to have to come up to you and say, oh, you're so articulate and knowledgeable. Yeah. Why?
2: It's a shock. Where are you from? I say I'm from Philly. No, where are you actually from? Like, that is a microaggression. What do you mean? I just told you where I was from. Wait, where where are you? what, What information are you looking for that's going to make me different than the people in your head? Right? Like it's it's bizarre that, and it's exhausting that, and you kind of just like <laughs> that
1: saddens me so much but it's sort of a contemporary state of oh, where we're at sure. the world's no different and that validates sure. 100%. it hundred percent. and we I have mean, a long at, way look to at go Ukraine,
2: right look at what's happening in Ukraine that's a really sad situation and two things can be true at the same time that can be an incredibly sad situation and it sucks and it should not be happening but the racism and anti-blackness at the border is also very true, right? It's re- it, it, it never takes a day off.
1: Thank God the news, not to the extent it should be, is covering it a little. Right. Like people are saying, it's hey, disgusting. could you believe this is going on? It's not the top of the news, but well, it's being what's, discussed. Well, you know what's
2: always disappointing? The surprise. Right. We've been telling you this for years. What do you surprise that? That's disappointing on multiple levels
1: because I, I, why are you shocked? I, I agree um so you've done an incredible job empowering people um thank you and i asked you before and i don't think i could mention it enough but if people i'm positive they've been stimulated by this conversation but if they want to react they go to Hughes Society?
2: Yeah. So Is we it The Hughes
1: Society. The com? Hughes Society. Society on
2: Instagram. Yeah.
1: All right. So one last thing on a lighter note. You are definitely entrepreneurial. You are definitely styling all the time. Yeah. Um, you tell me about your jewelry thing quickly. Is that still a thing?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's called Statements by High And, it, you know, it's... It, my ethos, I guess, is just are empowerment. Are those earrings they yours? They are. Yeah, they're mine. Those
1: are pretty cool. But
2: it's, uh, so I always get this thing whenever I walk into a room. It's like, oh, and I don't mean this in like an arrogant way. No, but like, I know exactly where like, you're going. Oh, my God. I love your jewelry. Oh, my God. I could never do that. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yes, you can. Do you want to do it? You absolutely can do it. And that's why, you know, I, I started curating statement pieces because I want women to feel empowered. I want you to walk into a room and own it. And you don't have to say anything, but you should feel strong enough within yourself and confident enough within yourself to wear what you want to wear and not worry about who's going to be like, oh, you know, you're too old to be wearing jewelry that big. There are you expressions too and tools
1: um, of yes. who you are, right? Yes. So yes. you're like, I know this, I can do it, well, and I'm going to show you, this.
2: right, like 100%. That's the So all if all people
1: want to know more about the jewelry, where do they go?
2: Statementsbyhabibi.com.
1: And is but.com. Okay. All right, to hear we got to wrap up. As I told you before we did this, we could probably sit here for 3 hours. We could. <laughs> but hopefully we hit a few areas that are very important. No, this
2: is great. To
1: you and, you know, that people will get, you know, stimulated to get involved. So let me do a quick wrap up. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network's live coverage of Charleston Wine and Food Festival. I'm Sam Ben Ruby from the Grape Nation. Special thanks to Hickory Nut Gap for making our coverage possible. We're grateful to the festival for having Heritage Radio Network back in the culinary village for the sixth year. I lost my place. You can listen to all our coverage on our podcast, Heritage Radio Network on tour. Find it on heritageradionetwork.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. And I decided to hear that before this podcast that it was great for me to sit down with you. Yeah. But next week, Matt, we are running this podcast as the Grape Nation podcast Wednesday, okay? Because I want to expand it out (laughs) into another audience. So once again, thanks to my guest Tahira Habibi. You're listening to the Grape Nation and Heritage Radio at the Charleston Wine and Food Festival.